So, welcome back to episode seven. Um, we're more than halfway through the trail, kind of-ish. Today, after today, we will be, like, officially, psychologically, and geospatially halfway through the trail. Let's go. You seem so unenthusiastic. Um, <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> well, I wasn't I wasn't ready to be done. I didn't want to be. Okay. Well, I have great news for you because we're going to drag it out with some extra mini episodes coming up this early this fall around end of September and into October. So you should tune into those, Gonzo, if you want some bonus content beyond our main episodes. That'll be fun. Anything new? Well, how's life? How's the bears? Life is good. Um, not a lot of bears, really. I think it's maybe a little bit too hot for them. Overall, can't complain. Um, been baking a lot of cookies this week, which is always fun. Eating a lot of cookie dough. Life is good. Nice. What about you? Yeah, that's a huge win. Um. I, you should have brought some cookies up when you visited. I did. Um, they were gone so wait, fast what? because they oh, were well, so good. <laughs> that is messed up. Uh, well, I'm not getting cookies, clearly. And yeah, that's nothing too crazy happening. Just trying to plan for fall trips. Are you excited to talk about Pennsylvania? You know what? I actually am. Um, it's definitely an unpopular opinion, but I really loved Pennsylvania. And why is that an unpopular opinion? What's the typical argument against it? So usually Pennsylvania is an A.T. hiker's least favorite state, or at least it's a very common least favorite state. Um, and that is because of the rocks. So many rocks. <laughs> but that's really just northern Pennsylvania. It's not the whole state. Okay, interesting. And that explains the title of this episode is going to be Pennsylvania Rocks. So it does in more that way than one. Was it more rocky than the White Mountains, New Hampshire, etc.? Yes. Um, so the whites were rocky in the sense that you were climbing up rocks <laughs> um, to get where you wanted to go. Pennsylvania was rocky in that it was not always super steep, but there were little rocks everywhere hitting oh, your ankles. Yes. So, yeah, I think the White Mountains had bigger rocks. And again, it wasn't it wasn't like the whole state of New Hampshire that was like that. Um just a couple of sections, which I guess is the same with Pennsylvania. It's really just the northern section, but um, but that was still fairly long. Yeah. All right. Well, how hard was the hiking in Pennsylvania compared to the rest of the trail? So coming out of Maryland, southern Pennsylvania was fairly flat compared to the rest of the AT. You're walking through a lot of farmland, some rolling hills. I really love this section. Yeah, not a lot of elevation gain. Um, and then there are a couple of kind of fun scrambly sections. I, at least I thought they were fun. Um, I did not read the comments in Far Out prior to, um, prior to like tackling 
these parts. So it was a little bit of a surprise for me, but it was fun. Um, it's Lehigh Valley. Um, I believe that's what that section is called coming out of Palmerton. If you're going northbound is just straight up. Uh, and I was actually on the phone with dad when I was hiking that. I had my headphones in and I was oh like, so out of breath. I was like, dad, I think I need to call you back in a little bit. Like I need to pay attention to what I'm doing here. And then uh, another section was the Knife's Edge, which there's a, a trail in Katahdin called Knife's Edge, which looks epic. It looks a little bit scary, but really cool. Um, this Knife's Edge is not quite as epic or as scary, um, but was still fun. A little bit scrambly. Yeah. So those parts were a little bit more technical than the rest of the trail, but again, they weren't super long sections. And then everybody's favorite thing about Pennsylvania, the rocks in northern Pennsylvania. In this section, there are a couple of um, pieces of like rolling double track, which were nice breaks. But for the most part, it was just rocks. A lot of, I think my least favorite were the kind of the ankle biter rocks where you just, no matter where you step, like you're going to bang your ankle on something. That sounds unpleasant to say the least. Yeah, it definitely, if you slipped or anything, it hurt a little bit, but it, it was different. It was different than the other hiking. It was, <laughs> I don't know, kind of entertained my brain when I could just <laughs> look at the rocks, make sure I wasn't hurting myself oh my gosh. past the time. Just needs it to be different. It's like there's a guy punching you the whole way, but at least it was different. As long as he's punching me in different parts of my body, you know, different sensations. Nice, nice. Um, and what, like, what are the main landmarks in Pennsylvania? This kind of looks like a short list. Yeah. So, um, there, I don't really think there were a ton. Um, it's the official halfway point, And I think right after that, if you're going northbound, you walk into Pine Grove Furnace and there's a general store there, and mm-hmm. you can do the half-gallon challenge. So I consider that a landmark. Yeah, I think that that was really it on my list. I do have distinct memories of being told about your half-gallon challenge, because you were so close to Dad, and he was like, yeah, she's going crazy. She ate a half-gallon of ice cream, or at least tried to. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Um Dad and our stepmom came up to see me, and I bought a, um, well, it's not actually a half gallon, but like a really big carton of, I think I did Neapolitan ice cream, maybe, and then the pint I did vanilla. That feels like a bad call. So I got there towards the end of the day, and I hadn't eaten at all that day neither did my hiking partner past i think like 10 a.m so we did eat breakfast so we're like trying to prepare for this and because we got there a little bit later in the day i think the selection was more limited i was kind of looking for something that had chunks in it because i like chunky ice cream normally Mm -hmm. but um it was either neapolitan vanilla or i think an orange sherbet which i don't eat in normal life anyway so okay yeah never mind i respect your choice more now yeah so i made it through the really big carton and that was hard (laughs) um and i started on the pint to follow it up and i think i got part way through and was just like 
you know, this isn't going to happen for me. But my hiking partner crushed his. He had the full carton, the pint, and then got a burger. So, oh my God. Super impressive. And if you complete the half gallon challenge, I someone told me that you get this like wooden spoon. So initially when I didn't finish the pint, I was like super bummed that I wasn't going to get this wooden spoon. So my hiking partner went in and got it. And it's like a, one of those sample spoons that they give you or like, it's not a spoon, sample stick. It's like the sample popsicle stick. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That says like a half gallon challenge or something like that on it. Okay. So that makes you feel less. Yeah. It's okay. Do you want a picture of it? I want to see it. Yeah. I'm sure I can find a picture of it. Little sample spoon for your memories. Um, I feel like you could do something cute. You'd make it into like a Christmas ornament or Oh, that would be kinda cute. Or just like eat ice cream with it at home. All the time. Well, like if it's just a wooden spoon, like those things kind of They're so small and and not like sealed. (laughs) So they're gonna Yeah, it's very inefficient for your ice cream eating too. A real power move would then be to go back the next year and do the half gallon challenge with the previous year's reward spoon. Because then it's even more difficult. Wow. Especially not being a through hiker without yeah. that appetite. That would be cool. super impressive. Be cool. Definitely a pro tip. Flex. Cool. Any other big landmarks? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Nothing I can think of. <laughs> a lot of rocks. <laughs> plugging along. Um, how long is Pennsylvania? Like how many miles approximately? I want to say it's over 200. I don't remember exactly how many. Okay. So you're there for like a, a decent bit of time going through it. Yes. All right. So tell us about your resupplies, your favorite towns. Yeah. So as I was going through and trying to remember all the places I stopped in town, I started thinking that maybe this is why I liked Pennsylvania because I realized I stopped at a lot of towns. <laughs> um the first one was Boiling Springs. Uh, that is a really nice town. It's I think it had like a, a nice pond. I just remember walking into it and being surprised at how, how cute it was. I did not resupply there, but I did get a nice breakfast from a cafe. Walk, the AT goes right through the town, so it was easy to stop oh, off. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then next was Duncannon. So Duncannon has a famous hostel called the Doyle there. Um, I did not stay there, but um, it was cool just to walk around the town. I stopped at my first Sheets on Trail, which was really fun. Woo-hoo! Yeah. That's a landmark. Um, and yeah, Duncan and I just had a good time there. It was, it reminded me, I don't know, of some of the towns we visited when we were younger. Like they'd seen their heyday, um, used to be really industrial and like a little bit rough around the edges now, but everybody was really nice. Um, stopped in at the local dive bar and the locals were, you know, trying to bring hikers into pool games and making all these bets. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was just fun. Yeah, um, and Trail Angel Mary lives in Duncannon. I saw her at Trail Days, and then I saw her in Duncannon, and that was really cool. And then after Duncannon is where the rocks really kind of start picking up. So after that, we had Port Clinton. Stopped at a diner there for breakfast. There's a little bit of a pattern here. (laughs) A lot of diners and cafes. Yeah, it was a Three C's diner. It was really good. 
and then um, got a hitch from there into Hamburg for some thrifting and ice cream and stopped at a local pool, which was really fun. Oh my gosh, I bet everyone was like, please don't get in the water. You are gross. <laughs> I shower. I showered okay, beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Palmerton, um, that's right before the kind of scrambly section. It used to be, I think that town or the trail around there used to be a super fun site. Um, but what is that? Um, it's I think as they were doing maybe zinc mining for zinc and contaminated like everything. Oh, um, so if you read um a walk in the woods, yeah, the description of Palmerton is kind of like a toxic wasteland. Oh no! But since then, they one of the people that gave me a hitch was saying that they just added like nine feet of dirt up on those mountains and dropped seed bombs nice so yeah it was kind of cool hiking there because it was starting to get really green a lot of things were growing but they weren't super tall you didn't have the green tunnel feeling of the really tall trees so you could Mm -hmm. look out across a lot of ridge lines and that was fun Interesting. And the town was cool, too. Um, Stopped at a Dunkin' Donuts there for breakfast. And then next was um, a town, I don't recall the name, but it was at Wind Gap that I got off. It was a really small town, stopped for the diner, got back on trail. And then the last one um, in Pennsylvania was right before the New Jersey border, and it was Delaware Water Gap. Stopped there. Got some shepherd's pie and a cannoli and coffee and had a great time. It sounds like you ate incredibly well in Pennsylvania. I did. I did. I think that might be influencing my my love for Pennsylvania. Yeah, I respect it. These towns really delivered in terms of breakfast foods, it sounds like. (laughs) They did. And they were just so easily accessible. Um from the trail and the people of Pennsylvania were so nice. 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 All right. So yeah, what was the best part? Yeah, just piggybacking off of what we we're just talking about. It's it's got to be the people, the trail magic. Um, I think in one of the other episodes, I said that the trail magic was primarily in the South. PA was definitely an exception. Um, there were so many trail angels, and I. I had no problem getting a hitch anywhere. I had people like come up to me in the store mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, like they could tell us a through hiker and say like, Hey, you know, if you need a ride back to trail, like I can wait for you. Like I can give you a ride. Oh my gosh, no problem. That's so nice. Yeah. Super nice. And multiple people doing that in these different towns. Um, yeah. Really awesome people. I think my favorite trail magic one of my favorite trail magics was here was the root beer floats. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And then Pennsylvania had um, some nice state parks. Penmar, when you uh, Penmar, which is right when you go into Pennsylvania from Maryland, was a super cute park. I think we've been there when we were kids, but I didn't remember it at all. And also, they definitely upgraded their pe- playground. I could just like I don't remember it, but I could tell the playground was brand new <laughs> when we were there. And it had it like this zip line that was really fun that you could stand on and like ride back and forth. That was really cool. There were some Mennonite farm stands that were good. They had ice cream. Huge asset. So yeah, delicious. right. Um, and then 
Pennsylvania had some super nice shelters too. The 501 shelter, which I did not stop at. I ac- like accidentally missed the turnoff. And then the Eckville shelter are two that have power and water and you know at least the Eckfield shelter has a shower I showered there oh, that's really um cool. and they have caretakers yeah just super nice um luxury lots of amenities yes exactly it sounds like a my type of place like i think i would love it i guess if you're like really out there for the wilderness experience it's tougher but also the at isn't that wild so Right. And you can get a little bit of everything, you know, when you're up in Maine or the Whites, um, the 100 Mile Wilderness, it's a little bit more remote than this, but you can also have a couple sections with amenities. Awesome. Um, And what was the worst part? Man, I struggle with these because there's, I don't think there was a worse part. Uh, I mean, I wish I had completed the half gallon challenge. So my shame is maybe the worst part about Pennsylvania. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, some of the ankle biter rocks, those were, you know, those are kind of annoying. Did they leave, like, bruises? Like, what was the severity? So I don't remember any. I'm sure I got a couple, but it was never like, oh my goodness, like, look at these giant bruises all over my ankles. It was just annoying every once in a while. You smack it into a rock. Interesting. And so this kind of ties into our topic for the day of gear and we're going to talk more about like the smaller gear items is that a state where you're like oh i wish i had hiking boots that had ankle protection or like it wasn't that bad i don't think so um yeah i don't think that ever really crossed my mind all right that's actually i think one of our questions about gear so are you ready to jump into gear let's do it all right, so this is part two of gear. We're talking more about sort of the smaller accessory gear items. Last time we talked about the victory and sort of your overall gear philosophy. And this time we're going to get a little bit more into the little stuff that can apparently have a pretty big influence on your hike. So on that vein, hiking boots or trail runners? I think we already kind of know the answer. Yeah, definitely trail runners. I think the only time where I... Like, looking back, I'm like, ah, it would be nice to have boots would be when it was, like, really, really cold um, and snowy. So maybe, like, somewhere in North Carolina, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, there were a couple of days that would have been nice to have boots. But um, in general, I loved my trail runners. Um, by the time I was in Pennsylvania, I had already sized up in my trail runners oh by a half a size. <gasps> um and it felt good because I just had so much space in them for my feet. But I think um, this was also around the time when I started falling more often. So that could also be a, a contributing factor there. Hmm. Yes, that makes sense. I'm, try- I'm trying to think how to structure this, but we'll figure it out. But uh, were there any common pieces of gear that you, like smaller gear that you didn't take with you? Yeah, so I didn't start with camp shoes. Um, I did not start with a tent footprint. I did start with sleep clothes, but I got rid of them. So (laughs) opted out of that. I didn't have a rain cover for my pack. Um, That's a fairly common one. And then any sort of like fanny pack. I didn't have um, no sleeping bag liner. What were the reasons, like, that you nixed all of these? So, footprints um, for my specific 
tent. I'd read that it's not necessary. It's tough enough that it's fine without it. Um, and I just didn't want to mess with one. Uh, camp shoes was purely a weight thing, um, in bulk. Like it's just, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to have to stick them off the side of my pack. Like it's kind of goofy. Um, yeah. and then sleep clothes, I got rid of those because it, I just, I wasn't changing out of my clothes because I'm lazy. Because you're disgusting. Yeah, it's also that. Um, and then rain cover for my pack, I used a trash compactor bag um, as a liner instead. Wait, like a, tr- a trash, like just a trash bag or a trash compactor bag? Compactor bag. So it's a little bit tougher than like a regular trash bag. Okay. And it's still, like, it's not huge. Like, sometimes people talk about them as, like, contractor bags. Those are massive. (laughs) Um, The compactor bags are a little bit smaller. So I use that as a liner. And I liked that because with the rain covers, you've got to, like, take them off to get anything inside your pack. And you've got to remember to put it on. And, like, I just didn't want to mess with that. I just wanted to not have to think about it. Oh, that's smart. Trash compactor bag. Um, and then sleeping bag liner, I'm, I don't know that was super common. I, just from everything I'd read, they don't really add that much, um, warmth. Like, you're better off spending your money and your weight buying a warmer sleeping bag or quilts. I understand that that's not, maybe not within everybody's budget, so maybe that's when a sleeping bag liner would help. But yeah, I also didn't start in February, so. And then fanny packs, um... This is one that I'm like, um, oh, you know, maybe I'd consider in the future. I just use my hip belt pocket and I don't know. I just didn't want to have one more thing that I would forget somewhere or lose. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I wouldn't expect have expected fanny packs to be a common thing. What's the usual, like, what makes the fanny pack better than the hip belt? So I think the idea of the fanny pack is that if you have a... Um, frameless backpack or one that doesn't have a hip belt you can have a fanny pack to store snacks and then also if you're going around town it would be really nice to have a fanny pack or something like I didn't have pockets in my shorts um Mm -hmm. so it would have been nice to have somewhere to put my wallet and my phone when I was walking around and yeah I've also seen people use fanny packs with their hip belts which you know more snack storage it's always good infinite snacks um yeah, they need to put more pockets in women's shorts. I feel that's also... Yes. On a related note, it's so irritating. What gear did you wish you started out with that you didn't? So I actually wish I had started with camp shoes. I think that would have been a much wiser decision because, yeah, back to the whole, like, wet, frozen shoe thing. Like, that just that was terrible. And um, even in the summer when your feet were really sweaty or it was raining they were wet like it's just it's nice to have a way to air them out it's healthy (laughs) and I did eventually get a pair of camp shoes in Virginia um my hiking partner's mentor made some custom camp shoes which are awesome that's sweet yeah and I, I love wearing them and I do think a fanny pack would be nice um my hip belt pocket pockets were not huge i think it was because of the like specific hip belt size i got they were also just smaller so a fanny pack would be 
It's really nice. Um, I know I never got one. And then I wish I had started with a stuff sack for my toiletries. I was a big fan of the, like the court Ziploc bags, but like you do not want your toilet paper getting wet. So um, I did eventually get a stuff sack to put my Ziploc inside of to protect my toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> I never actually got wet, but it was just a fear that lurked in the back of my mind. So eventually I did get one. That's a really bad day when the toilet paper gets ruined. That's a bad day. What gear did you end up sending back that you started with that you were like, I actually don't want this? Yeah. Um. So I started with like a skinny sheet of polycryo, which can be used as a footprint. But um, my idea, well, first let me explain what it is. It's uh, like what they use over windows, like the plastic sheet they put over windows when they're trying to keep heat in I, do you know what i'm talking about mom used to put them on the windows um vaguely but like not that well saran i think saran wrap that's probably a better way to explain it it's basically saran wrap but it doesn't stick to itself so it's really light it's thin some people use it as a, a footprint for their tent my idea was that i would use it underneath my sleeping pad when i slept in a shelter because i was worried that whatever I put my sleeping pad down on top of would like potentially pop it. And so I was thinking that could help protect okay. it. And I just never used it. It was kind of like, it was so light that it was almost annoying to like unfold it. Like a slight wind gust would just <laughs> blow it away. Um, yeah. And I just never used it. So I sent it home. Also, a lot of the shelters do have little brooms in them. Not a lot, but some of them do so you can, like, sweep it out. And then I did send back my cork ball for my feet. Um, I did not have any issues with plantar fasciitis. Um, I do now, but I didn't when I was hiking. <laughs> um, and then I just, I sent back some of my, like, well, I did send back my sleep clothes and then my heavier fleece in exchange for a lighter mid-layer. Oh, I initially brought spices, like a bunch of spices. I sent those all back. What a freaking nerd, right? I was so excited to be like cooking up all this good food and I just did not. Uh, because I did actually in Pennsylvania in Duncan and send back my stove. Give up on cooking altogether. <laughs> exactly. Just cookies for me. Yes, that's a the theme. I think with a lot of my my things is fairly lazy when it comes to camp chores. Um, I sent back sunglasses. Um I did send back my umbrella. I want to give that one another go. Julia, so sad. I gave her that umbrella for Christmas. I know. I just, I need to spend more time getting it rigged up properly. Um, I thought I had it right. And then the first day I went to use it, it was just like hanging down and blocking like a lot of my field of vision. So that is a, um, that is an operator error because the people that I met with umbrellas loved their umbrellas um so i too would like to be an umbrella lover uh and yeah i sent back hand warmers and those dehydrated wipes that i had because it got hot and also i just wanted to be dirty yeah live in the dirt um cool and then did you start out with anything that was like kind of uncommon or weird yeah, I started out with a disposable camera, which I don't think is weird. 
Um, it's maybe a little bit uncommon, but yeah, I just carried it around in a Ziploc bag and it was fun to, to take pictures with it. And, um, it gave me something to look forward to after the hike was over. That's kind of, it's very, feels very like millennial of you. Nostalgia. And then like, what gear did you end up having to replace as you went along? Socks, shoes, frog tog pants. Oh my goodness. So many duct tape patches. Can you tell us more about frog togs, actually? Yes. So frog togs are rain suits. So it's like a rain jacket and rain pants that you can buy at Walmart or Dick's Sporting Goods or Amazon. And they're like $20 for the set. They are super lightweight and not durable at all. Um, But you can duct tape them, but they're also not breathable at all. They were my, I just had the pants and I had a different rain jacket, but yeah, they were my laundry pants, which was a little bit brutal when it was the middle of summer and you're like walking around town in these non-breathable trash pants. Yeah. Oh gosh. That is kind of like a point for sleep clothes. If so, even sleep clothes, like I think I would have wanted to wash those anyway. Um, but yes, it is a point for like fun town clothes or just doing your laundry at a hostel where you can wear loaner clothes. That is, that was actually one of my favorite things about doing laundry. Well, no, my favorite thing, one of my favorite things about hostels was doing laundry so that I could wear loaner clothes. And sometimes I would like change outfits, like depending on what I was doing. It was fun. Like I just want to feel like, yeah, like that was something like, Oh, I kind of miss like ridiculous clothes or like, yeah. Wearing like a fun little outfit. Exactly. And it was just a good time to see what you could find um, in the loaner clothes. Okay. So frog talks, cheap rain pants, very rippable, but also it sounds like easy to find. Like if you can get them at Walmart and then yeah, like, pretty easy to replace exactly and they they did the job i wasn't wearing them every single day and i primarily used them when it was colder and i was worried about that makes good sense all right um and then yeah what else did you have to replace pillow oh man my trichology pillow from amazon i think i've been through two of them and yeah the first one popped i got the second and it also popped and i just cuddled it deflated pillow um for the rest of the trail <laughs> so and sad. i did i know i know um i did get a different pillow going forward that was more expensive but hopefully is lasts a little bit yeah. longer um yeah. and then i did replace my pocket knife because i lost it i just set it down somewhere it was gone mm, what did you use your pocket knife for on the trail so i bought a swiss army it's the victorinox knife um and it had the nail clippers in it that's pretty much primarily what i used it for and it also had little tweezers i don't really think i used those i think they were pretty flimsy and i did use the actual knife part um when i was like cutting up you know salami food yeah yeah pretty much um Oh, and it did have little scissors in it. Those were handy. Oh, yeah. My hiking partner used those to trim his... He used those to trim his mustache. That's what it was. Yeah, that's... Beards on trail, interesting. Whole other thing. We need to get a beard beard owner on here to talk about them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are all pretty reasonable. Was there anything, like, you thought you were going to have to replace, but then you didn't? Like, it ended up making it? Um... 
did you just have high expectations for your year? You're like, you're going to me. <laughs> yeah, I had pretty high expectations. Oh, I can't believe I didn't talk about my sleeping pad. I also had to replace that. That was deflated. Um, and I that was also a pop situation. Yes. And I tried for like three weeks to patch it and uh, just got so sick of waking up at midnight to reinflate it. So anything that I thought wouldn't make it. Yeah, no, I have pretty high expectations for, for most of my gear. Uh, did you have to replace like your toothbrush? Wow, you know, I'm so glad you went down this. I actually forgot about this. This might be like you being gross. <laughs> no, I did because I started with um like one of those little tiny toothbrushes. I got it off of Garage Grown Gear and I felt I actually felt so gross brushing my teeth with it because my hand, like to get my molars, my hand was like in my mouth. So I did replace that with a just regular toothbrush. All right, so let's talk more specific pieces what was your kind of like mvp underrated piece of gear um man probably my trekking poles you know i feel like people don't really talk about like oh i'm like super excited about these specific trekking poles i don't really get a lot of love but they do so much um they helped me not fall i mean i did fall but um, they saved me from a lot of falls, a lot of falls and creeks, and they held up my tent, and I could wave them in the air to knock down spider webs. Yeah, they're great. I love my trekking poles. And did you have, like, a fancy brand of trekking? I don't actually, like, now that you pointed out, trekking poles are not, like, a talked-about piece of gear where people are like, you have to get this one. Like, right. I've never heard of trekking poles having a cult following. Yeah, I... Neither. So I had, I think, a pair of Lecky trekking poles, um, and they were great. I got them at a garage sale at REI. I think the return code on that was that someone just didn't like the way they felt. And I did knock off like the tips of them, I think just hiking in the rocks, um, and stopped at a gear shop in Maine, and they replaced them with gear, like with uh, tips from. Well, not tips, but like the bottom half of the trekking pole from other trekking poles. So they're kind of like Frankenstein trekking poles now. Is there any like things you recommend people look for when they're trying to find trekking poles that will last? One thing to keep in mind with trekking poles is that it might be a better idea to go with the aluminum trekking poles over the carbon ones. The carbon ones are much lighter. Maybe not much lighter. I actually don't know how much lighter. But from... Everything that I've heard from people on trail, they break way more often. Um, which, if you're using your trekking poles to stand up your shelter, like, you don't want to have a broken trekking pole. So I would look for an aluminum trekking pole. And if you're curious if you even like hiking with trekking poles, uh, the Cascade Mountain... Let me double check that name. No, they are the Cascade Mountain Tech aluminum collapsible trekking poles yeah they i'm looking at them on amazon right now they're 25 dollars. they're not the lightest but they get the job done and yeah. okay uh, these are the ones that i have despite me not knowing the brand name of them <laughs> but they're good cascade mountain tech and they come with like 40 pairs of feet like you can have any little bottoms on them that you want oh really <laughs> cool and then how many pairs of shoes did you use? 
I went through five pairs of shoes. Uh, the last pair that I had, I only used for a hundred miles. Um, and I was kind of debating whether or not to even replace my fourth pair, but the tread was totally gone. So, and did you use the same, like, I guess, model of shoes the whole time? I did not. I started with a pair of ultra tips. And when I went to get a new pair of shoes, um, the store only had Lone Peaks. So I switched to Lone Peaks and I liked them. I thought they had really good traction and I just stuck with them for the rest of the trail. Yeah. Are Lone Peaks like a pretty popular one? Yes. I think they are probably the most popular. So a trail runner versus like just someone's everyday sneaker, what makes it better for hiking? Yeah, I would assume that the trail runners probably have a little bit better drainage and ventilation so that if you do get water and then it drains out um, and better traction. And a lot of them, specifically trail runners, a lot of them are designed to be a little bit lighter weight than some regular shoes, which is something to consider when you're taking who knows how many steps <laughs> over the course of six months. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are probably some of the key differences. Um, ultras specifically are designed with wide toe boxes. Tobos are another brand that um, are known for having wider toe boxes, which is nice. Um, especially when your feet start swelling up, if you're hiking or running a lot, and you can also look at different drops. Yeah, the shoe rabbit hole is a deep one. It's a whole world to get into. <laughs> Do you want to quickly like just sh- like share kind of what a drop is in terms of like a thing that people might care about? And then also, oh, I forgot my other question. I'll think of it while you tell us what a drop is. Yeah, so a drop is the difference between the height of the heel and the height of the toe. So zero drop would be, you know, the same type of drop as walking around barefoot. Your heel and your forefoot are at the same height. Some people claim that zero drop um, helps prevent injury. Um, But I know some people, if they just switch really quickly to wearing a zero drop shoe, they can experience some Achilles or um, calf pain. And I think a lot of traditional running shoes have a much higher drop. What were like your kind of, where did you go to get shoe replacements on trail? Like, was it just gear shops only? Was there, there's like no really other options? No, you can send yourself shoes as well. Or like if I was going to see a family member on trail, I could send shoes to them and say, hey, could you bring me these? But yeah, uh, it was generally just like part of the resupply planning. Like, you know how many miles you have on your shoes, how many miles it is to the next gear place you can figure out what you need to do when you get to town um and then last true question i swear the i know a lot of trail runners have like all weather treatment so it's like a waterproofing around the outside yes or no do you think that's a good idea or not um for the at i would say probably no i think some of the issues people have had with that is um when it gets wet inside the shoe which when you're outside all day and pouring rain or walking through rivers it's likely going to get wet inside it just doesn't dry as quickly because there's no 
real ventilation because you have that sealer on the outside. Um, so it can just stay wet for a really long time. Um, that being said, I've never actually tried it. So I don't know um, if that's really a big issue, but that's the the reasoning why I've heard that you don't want the, the waterproofing on it. Okay, last, I think this is our last one of your questions. Are bug spray and sunscreen worth the added weight? Yes or no? I think sunscreen is, you know, you don't, you don't want to get skin cancer or I was going to say you don't want to be a wrinkly old person, but wrinkles are totally fine. Um, I do want to be a wrinkly old person. If you're a wrinkly old person, that's awesome. That means you've made it that far. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think sunscreen is good. I was not super diligent about wearing it. I wish I had been more diligent. I know a lot of people say like, oh, you're in the green tunnel. You don't need to worry about the sun. But I was so tanned by the time I was done hiking. Like you're definitely getting a lot of sun. So yes, to sunscreen. Bug spray, I think there were only two nights um, where it was so buggy that I either left a shelter and set up my tent. Well, no, that's what I did. There's two nights where I left um, the shelter and set up my tent. There weren't any times when I was hiking where it was unbearable, like really buggy. So I would wait and see once you're on trail. If it starts getting buggy, you know, stop and get yourself some bug spray. But I wouldn't try to pre-plan it unless you're like get super bad reactions to mosquito bites. Then maybe in the summer, grab yourself some. And also bug spray, I know, can be kind of a little bit tougher, like tough on your gear if you get it on there because... That DEET will dissolve things. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, have you never experienced that? No, I don't use bug spray. Yeah, so um, I was on a trip once in Acadia in Maine, and we were there in like early June, and it was supposed to be black fly season, which turned out to be like really not bad at all. It was fine. But uh, one of the people on the trip brought bug spray that was, I don't remember, I think it was like 30% DEET. Like some astronomical percentage that's way higher than normal, but they thought they would need it because it was theoretically going to be black fly season. And they kept it, they brought it in like a port Ziploc bag. It leaked and melted the bag and then melted their solar charger, like their solar phone charger. Like it will, and so it's like you can't let it touch. My goodness. And like obviously that was 30%, so that was extreme, but I know even like the off deep woods that I've used, like at the house in the summer like if i lean against something that's like kind of plasticky or whatever it'll like rub off that color on my skin it'll do a number so yeah that's another thing to think about with bug sprays like is it worth it yeah i think that's all oh i did want to ask like what was your clothing sort of situated like just in terms of your general hiking clothes what did you have and what did you find was the best system for you to wear yeah, I had just a pair of athletic shorts and I started with a synthetic t-shirt and I eventually switched to Hawaiian shirts after thrifting and then getting gifted um, some snazzy, snazzy shirts. And I really like them because it was fun and um, you can unbutton them if you want ventilation. It has they have like little pockets on them, which was nice. If because I didn't have a fanny pack um, when I was going around town, I would just put my phone in the the pocket and mm-hmm. be good to go. So big fan of the Hawaiian shirts. 
Nice. And are you a fan of, like, Merino? I know that's something that's super popular, and I know you have an opinion about it, so I want to ask. I do. I want to be a fan as a dirty, stinky person. <laughs> I wish I was a fan. But um, I tried uh, a while ago, I tried a smart move, like, Merino quarter zip. Because I thought, like, oh, maybe that would be good as my mid-layer. And I just, I couldn't stand the feeling of it against my skin. But since then, um, I do have a really nice wool shirt that I got as a Christmas gift. And I do love that. Like, that I don't notice the itchiness at all. So I think maybe it's just the, like, type of merino with a blend that I need to figure out. Um, but for hiking, for being outdoor or active specifically, I don't love merino base, light, base layers for myself. Interesting. Did you wear, I'm guessing then that means you didn't wear merino undergarments. Oh, that's wrong. Okay. Wow. I just dissed on merino. I did wear, I did wear merino underwear. Um, and it was totally fine. I actually really liked that. So I'm glad you called me out. Yeah. I think that's, like, it's kind of different, though, but, like, then having, like, it's less surface area, and you don't really notice it as much as, like, something on your arms. Right. I was gonna say, like, the, um, quarter zip was, like, thick, and just, I, yeah, I just didn't Yeah. Like did you do, a, a, like, a merino bra, sports bra, too? I did not try that. I would be open to trying it, though. Good to know. So, merino undergarments get a yes from Gonzo. Merino mid layers and heavier are a no or maybe i just need to reevaluate um but also yeah good pitch for like whatever you're gonna wear on the trail kind of try it out beforehand all right well i think that's wait we have a fun question oh okay where does your mind go so i think this could also be a question for you like when you're running or anything too because i do think it's similar yeah so your mind kind of goes everywhere <laughs> um i definitely was not solving any world problems but i think at the beginning of the hike i spent a lot of my time just soaking everything in observing what's going on around me thinking about the next trail or the next shelter it was all very exciting and new engaging your mind in conversations with new people or just planning logistics. And then I think towards the middle of the hike is when your mind just starts kind of wandering a little bit more. A lot of the newness has worn off. Just thinking about, you know, what am I going to eat next? When's the next town? Look at that weird rock. Things like that. And then also just thinking about life. You know, sometimes thinking about like the little details of memories in the past or thinking about the future and I think it's definitely when you're going for that long hiking that long kind of by yourself maybe not talking with people as much while you're hiking in the middle of the hike it's really easy for your brain to get caught in loops whether you're thinking about something that happened in the past or worrying about the future it's a little bit harder at least it was for me to like pull myself out of that but that's why I kind of liked the rocks, you know, <laughs> um, when you're somewhere super new or different or engaging, like, you know, you need to scramble up this thing or not trip and fall. It distracts your mind. You can't really think about much else other than where you're putting your feet. And I, I think that was good. Just kind of making yourself be present. Yeah. Well, that was actually a great teaser for our next episode, which is going to be on New Jersey, where we're going to talk about uh the two 
kind of unnatural topics in terms of their pairing, but wildlife and also boredom. Um, so how you tackled boredom and also how many bears you saw. So anyways, uh, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate you for the past seven episodes and we hope you enjoy the rest of them. And if you haven't listened to the other six, definitely go back and check those out. They're great fun and definitely can give some context to a lot of Gonzo's life choices and willingness to be disgusting. What do I usually say here? Check us out on Instagram. Yes, follow us on Instagram at How to Through Hike Podcast. If you have questions for us, you can email them to us at How to Through Hike Podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or leave them in the comments here on Spotify if that's where you are. And you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and that's it. Those are the two main places. We appreciate you very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Thank you.